nervous? <laughs> no. Where's your answer? Dennis Beckham, let the ball out! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Oh! oh, no! Oh, yes! He missed it! Welcome to the Suffering from Joy podcast. My name's Devin, joined here by the normal crew. Uh, we're going to do a little preseason preview. Obviously, there's still a few... Uh, Things going on, some transfers maybe coming in and out, some people getting settled. Um, we still have some Coachella preseason to do, uh, and we'll uh, we'll just kind of see where we're at from here and um, kind of gauge everyone's temperature and see how we're doing. Charles Peacock of the False Nine, how you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling okay. There's uh, it's it's weird to have an actual match to watch today, even though like every Austin FC preseason match, it will not matter. No, and I think we need to emphasize that both good and bad. Like we draw a USL team, it doesn't matter. It matters how people play and how they feel. Kind of like uh, watching a pitcher in Double A baseball, yeah. Where they throw like this curveball, and they're just like, "Oh, you're just too stupid to swing at that." Yeah, I mean, Austin FC preseason has never been indicative or shown anything about how the team was going to play, and so there's just no point in being invested in it. I think also the year the uh, Detroit Lions went zero and sixteen. They went four and zero in the preseason. They did. That is true. That is a true fact. So I always think about that. Um, Seth, how you feeling? Um, the whole goal of this next um, 13 days before the season starts is have no one get hurt. And I think that's going to be the goal of this whole season because our team is still real, real thin on depth. Uh, that might be understating it a little bit. Uh, Brad Tillery, how are you doing? I'm good today. Uh Excited to watch a little soccer action this afternoon, see how the team looks for the first time this year, and then, um, you know, Super Bowl Sunday, so it should be good. About to make a bunch of terrible, terrible food for my body and take about 10 years off my life. Nice. What are you making? Uh, so, I mean, I'll go in greasy American fat boy today. So, like, you know, chicken wings and Frankie dip, which is like Frank's Red Hot and Velveeta cheese and ground beef all mixed together and fries. And I mean, you name it. If, it's, if it can kill me, I'm probably going to eat it today. Nice. Um, I made a Green Mountain Grills recipe that's basically like a log of meat out of ground beef and mushrooms and jalapenos and all sorts of fun stuff. So, uh, Seth, you making anything good? Um, I'm going over to a buddy's place who um, they're doing, apparently they're baking some pizzas and trying to do something crazy where they're they're, um, some vegetarians, which I know is like blasphemous for Super Bowl, but they're apparently trying to put falafel on pizza, and I have no idea if this is going to be good or not. I will let you guys know if that actually happens. Yeah, that's very much a classic, either 10 out of 10 or 1 out of 10. Yes. There's nothing in between. Um, I'm making vegetarian food. Riley's off doing dog stuff, so I'm in charge of Super Bowl snacks for today. Charles, you eating anything good? Uh, we're just making uh, chicken wings here, and then there was talk about doing a uh, curry, but I don't know that that's going to happen. Okay, we'll see. Depends on the game state? Uh, more depends on if one of my lazy friends shows up or not. Okay, well. Speaking of, no, I don't have a good segue for that. Um, <laughs> we have uh, a little bit of transfer news. We signed a new striker who's over 30 and just got kicked out of the Colorado Rapids team for not being good enough. Um, I'm kind of saying that a little bit in just uh, about Jossie Zardes, but uh, we've that uh, Gilherme Biro is in town. So we have a few players. I don't think we really know from the Academy yet who's going to actually make the first team. But just kind of general feel, Brad, how you how do you think about the team right now? Better than I was a few weeks ago. 
still not overly optimistic, I think is probably where I'm at. Um, yeah, I'm curious to see how Biro um, transitions into the team over the next few weeks and can he and will he push Kalmanich for the starting left back job because I think that's what he was here assigned to. Um, obviously, the who's going to play striker got a lot more interesting a few other a few days ago, and I'm not convinced Zardis is the starting striker by mid March. Um, so I, I think we're incrementally getting better, but the big splash everyone wants just as we've been saying, isn't going to happen until at least the summer, if not later. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if Zardes is the striker in let's call it early April, it's probably because he deserved it. There's the least competition. Yeah. I, f- I feel like if he's going to get pushed this year, like all due respect to Maxi, Maxi wasn't pushing him last year. So, you know, when people wanted to get all over Zardes, all you have to do is point at Maxi's numbers and go, the guy isn't scoring or producing. Um, at least, I mean, hell, Will Bruin scored more goals last year than Max Yerudi. Like, no, stop, full stop. So, I, I'm, I'm excited to see, like, there's not going to be a huge drop-off from option one to option two at the striker role this year. Now, our ceiling at striker isn't very high, I don't believe at this point, but if it's a B- minus or a B or just a solid B, it's nice to know that we're not going to fall from a B down to a D from a striker option. Yeah. And I think the other thing that um, new Diego is adding is a little bit of versatility. He's not like a striker striker. You could kind of play him as like a pocket forward if we decide to get a little more creative, but um, who knows? We'll see Charles. How are you feeling? Um, I, I think from a like assets perspective, I think Rubio is a really smart pickup. I think he's a good player coming off an injury who played for a, bad Colorado team that couldn't retain possession or do any of the things that like he was good at. Um, I think he actually pairs really well with Driussi in the sense of having a player up front who can, can link play and be a little more creative and not have to be just standing between the center backs, standing there doing nothing kind of a player, which Austin just doesn't really have. Um, I think him and Zardes can be a good mix, but I think it does also a sign that, um, the expectation of Gus getting a DP striker isn't out. It's just that they haven't been able to figure that deal out yet. And I think that this is more a comment about not wanting to use Valentina well because of the international slot as much as anything. Yeah, this is a dumb little league, isn't it? Um, it is. Yeah, I mean, I love the stupid league, but like this is one of those times where like the roster rules really do hinder what Austin's trying to do. And especially for academy players, like you think anybody who played for like a next pro team would get some kind of like exemption? Well, I would think you would get close to get qualifying for like green card status with some of the people we've managed to get those for, but uh, that's far, far outside of my purview. Well, Noel might actually be able to be further along in this path than someone like a Pino because Noel went to college in the U.S. Like he's been here for a while. I, I don't know all the details of how all these sports visa immigrate, but it seems to be one thing that the front office does seem to be pretty good at. Yeah, my uh, very minor experience with immigration law is that nobody actually knows how it works. It is uh, as my girlfriend right now is, is back in India going through all of these crazy processes. I've learned more in the last year than I have seen on anything else. And it is, it's quite a nightmare. Yeah. Um, I think you throw up some paperwork and hope you know someone or get lucky. 
or you slip someone $2,800 and your application is approved a day later. Yeah, weird how that works. Oh, We're yeah. Not a, not a third world uh, country, yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's not a kickback. It's just a button that you can press on our website. Look, it's a campaign donation, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it is, it's all good. Um, but um, it, getting back to the topic at hand, one of the things that, speaking of immigration, Diego Rubio, despite being half-tied to Chile and being a German citizen as well, has had a green card for seven years. So he does not take up an international roster spot, which is valuable considering if uh, Dessler or a foreign DP9 comes in in the summer window that that is useful space to have um it's also that realistically because of his versatility that he's played both as a forward and an attacking midfielder he could also be seba's backup we don't really i mean right now i guess owen wolf was seba's backup before this because owen is the default backup for every position that's not keeper on this team um but having someone who could actually be a natural backup to seba if he gets hurt or doesn't play 90 in a certain match is something that's valuable to have. Yeah, someone who's actually sort of a natural 10. Yes. Um, so I guess general feels, though, uh, you did tell me you were drinking Malort last night, so that might affect your answer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how are you generally feeling going to, into this season? <laughs> um, yes, I am over my uh, Malort hangover, but I was at a very Chicago-themed party last night. Where apparently John Cusack showed up in the corner, but I didn't actually see him. So I'm going to go under the apparently there. Um, but it's a, um, <laughs> as we go through it, like, I think that this team can, the, right now, the goal for the first half of the season is to be better than Inner Miami was last year in the first half of the season. It's going to be, can we tread water to be around like 10th or 11th when the League's Cup break hits and we can get some real summer reinforcements so that we can make a playoff run come the fall? That That, that is my hope and expectation at this point is that we are respectable in the first half and then can get to be decent um, by the end of the season to at least get us to a play-in game. Am I, am I too optimistic here? I don't, I don't think we know until we see the summer window, but um, yeah, like don't get knocked out of the playoffs completely in the first half of the season, I think is a completely reasonable goal. Let's see if we can hit it. But Well, so here's the thing. Everybody keeps saying summer window, first half, first half. Post summer window, there's only 10 league games. So remember the summer window really hits during leagues cup. So we play 24 games before we ever get to that window. So there's a really good chance we could be too far behind before we ever make a signing. Yes, before, no, that, that's what I say. Like be, be, in, be 10th or 11th. And, and if you look at it right now, like the East looks much stronger than the West does, which is a reversal of where we've been in the last few seasons. I mean, last year the East was definitely stronger. And I don't see any team in the West that has gotten so much stronger um, in this offseason to make me think that the East won't be significantly stronger than the West once again. Uh, Charles, you want to add anything? No, I, I agree. I think that this is kind of the, the problem of the idea of just like loading up in summer. And we saw it. I, I mean, I know we want to reference Inter Miami because they did it a lot last year, but so did uh, uh, LA Galaxy. I felt like they tried to use the summer window to really boost their team. But like, you're just the schedule works against you to do that. This isn't like a lot of other leagues where you can make midseason changes and still have enough season for those changes to work. Um, I think waiting to the summer window is a sign that Austin is 
for lack of a better term, punting this season. Um, because I just don't I know, see us I, being a team that's anything more than at best, I think I, I think our ceiling is first round playoff fodder for a team that can actually win. I mean that's experience though. If we're gonna play through I, a younger team, fine. But I mean, but is there is there is there proof at this point that we are playing a younger team though? Like, no, that's, that's the not problem. Sure <laughs> like, like that's the thing is that like I don't feel as though we're like a young team gaining experience, and I also don't feel like we're like a good team who's like a contender. So we're just kind of in this weird like middle area that isn't satisfying. Also, it, it is February eleventh right now. The first game of the MLS regular season is in ten days. I checked this morning, and I wanted to make sure I wasn't crazy. We do not have a confirmed playoff format yet for this season. Details. They are way too. They are way too interested in figuring out international slots and game to worry about a playoff system. Well, they're trying to make sure there are no conflicts with home and garden shows in the future, Uh, like what happened to Vancouver. Hey, you know what? Starlight looked like a proper cup venue on Wednesday night. And it actually, actually looked like a great atmosphere over there. And T-Grace somehow brought 600 fans to a suburb of Victoria, B.C. on a Wednesday night. Like, props to T-Grace. Yeah, good for them. Um, I was telling a bunch of kind of European friends about that, and they were like, are you guys just, like, taking the piss out of us that this is how you guys treat soccer? And I'm like, no, 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 this is just how this works here. Uh, you guys want to do some predictions? He said alongside. All right, Charles, I'm going to let you go first, or I can go first if you guys want me to. But, um, total points last year, 39. What are we going to finish with this year? No caveats, just what are we going to do? 38. 38, okay. Uh, price is right rules. Uh, Brad, how about you? 43. 43, okay. I'm going to go 45. Seth? I'm going to go 40. And then 40. we can get a statement from Rono about how we are marginally better than last year, and it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. We only need six to seven more windows up from last year. Um, so kind of a dual question here. Um, what will be the playoff slash play-in game, assuming we have it, cutoff? Last year was 44 for play-in, 46. And will we make the playoffs in any capacity? Uh, I'm going to go, even with my higher point total, no to both. Um, Seth? I'm going to say um, no to both as well. Well, you were so optimistic a minute ago. I, I'm, I'm saying like there is a path to doing it. There is a difference between a path to doing it and doing it. Uh, yeah, good point. Uh, Rasmus Hoyland with a nice goal here. Yes. That's very offside. Um, Brad, how about you? I think we sneak into the final play-in spot. He's definitely onside. Is he? Uh, he was held onside, yeah. Okay. Uh, and according to VAR and Seth, I, I'm, I'm right. So, <laughs> uh, Charles, while we watch this replay, uh, what do you think? Charles has left us, I assume. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, no, I assume that he's onside, and uh, they're probably going to call it offside because it's United. Um, no, uh, I, I think the I think the point total for plan is going to be lower because I just think the West is not very good, um, and I think some of the bottom teams are just going to be really bad. Um, but I also think Austin's going to be one of those bad teams, so no. Okay, so no all arounds. Yeah. No, I got us in. 
I, I got a sneaking into the final spot. Yeah, but that's not really the playoffs, but we'll take it. it and we don't even know if that's going to be true. It gets I mean, you Sporting KC beat beat the one seed last year after winning a play-in game. That's true. That's true. That was right, the, uh, that was that was so perfect. That was the best outcome possible in MLS. Not for me, but it was it was kind of fun to hear all the people be like, well, we were really good at the beginning of the year, and then we started to suck later, and like we just couldn't put it together, and like I don't know why they, you know, we had to play our big rival, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, like you dealt with. MLS in your first season after winning the Western Conference. I'm I'm really feeling bad for you guys. Welcome to the stupid league. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they managed to get they so like you make the Champions League, but unlike us and like drawing Violet, like they drew the Houston Dynamo. Like that is like not fun. Like MLS on MLS matchups should not be allowed in the first round. No. Like I could see, you know, playing a Canadian team or something, but yeah. not any like, at least FC Cincinnati gets to go down to Jamaica. Like, they get an island experience. Like, okay, that's something real. Overrated <laughs> from the Austin FC uh, point of view. I was going to say, and, our and, island and, experience uh, was not great. I was going to say, we will see Nashville is going to be playing a different team in the same stadium in a couple weeks. Um, they're going to play an actual Dominican team because the Haitian teams were ineligible this year. So we will see how Nashville does with uh, the lovely Mocha FC. That's a good name. Yeah. But do they have Honky Honk? It'll never be the same, even if they do. Their fan base would not appreciate it as much as our fan base appreciated Honky No, No, not at all. Honky Honk versus Honky yeah. Tonk. Like, I, don't know. I was going to say, they're going to want, yeah. If they could turn it into a country song, they probably will. Well, why haven't you turned this into uh, Mercury Records yet? <laughs> why haven't you corporatized this and stripped it down out of all meaning? Sorry, Nashville fans. Um, <laughs> not that I have an axe to grind about this. <laughs> All right, let's, you know, we got kind of the, the playoffs and kind of the general point stuff in the league and that taken care of. Let's talk about what really matters. Copa Tejas, two-time defending champions. Um, Seth, do you know why we got weird schedule fucked by the league on this again or anything? Um, so I, I think the league schedule makers were fairly lazy. I believe I mentioned on the last podcast, like the national TV games are the same exact fixtures as they were last year. And for the most part, they're like, oh, this worked well enough. Let's, let's not, cause they're going to already have to recreate the wheel next year when I'm um, San Diego FC and another actually beautiful city, but not so great stadium and very uncreative team name joins the league that it gets very simple on the scheduling where it's just going to be 15 teams at each conference and uh, you'll have 28 games in your conference and six um, interconference games where this year you still have to do this weird thing where they're like, okay, we're doing 90 overall. Uh, Can you guys hear me? Yep. Okay. Um, So as we're going through this, it gets a, um, it is really, uh, a difficult setup for the um, for MLS, and they're like, okay, this worked last year. We're just going to go duplicate the schedule because we're only doing it for one more year. And they also promised another like three part um, El Tráfico and other things like that. They're like, we're not going to change this, so they didn't change it, which is why we have this silly schedule. Okay, so they basically just did the exact same schedule and went. Nobody complained too much. We're just really fucking lazy. Yeah, well, I mean, like, they did, like, a few minor things of, like, okay, we go play in Frisco twice where they came to Austin twice last year. But, like, those are the types of things they changed that were just, like, okay, 
And obviously they did change the interconference opponents, but the general structure of the schedule is no different. Okay. Um, was that weird world noise just for Charles going? Oh, I see we'll cut this. Yeah, one. it was. Um, okay. So the assumption is, again, the first two games won't count? That is, I have, I am not on the Copa Tejas Steering Committee, nor do I have any desire to ever join the Copa Tejas Steering Committee. Um, and I, I, I don't know because last year's ending being relatively controversial because like of just playing, getting a perfectly timed games that mattered. I don't know if that format is going to be replicated for this year. And I assume we'll have some decisions on that at some point relatively soon. I actually hope it's the first four that count. If they're going to do the four game thing again, or mm-hmm. instead of all six that we play versus five that the others play, do the first four because you'll be done with Copa Tejas by May. Yeah, but I don't think that they want that. I think they want it to drag on longer and longer. Yeah, especially with the way we're looking going into this year. Don't you want to have something to, especially if you're the front office, want to have something to play for up and Yeah, but the FO has no control over this one. Sure, but... I mean, no direct control, but, like, there's always the option that... um, uh, of just like needing something to to compete with, but also like it just doesn't make. I don't know. It's just frustrating, and annoying that um, Copa Tejas just always has this weird schedule blip because the league just won't do the natural thing of making rivals play each other more. I mean, n- next year it should be fine. Like once we have thirty teams in the league, it's gonna be fine. Well, we think it'll be fine. We'll just have new surprises. Yeah, I mean, like, I think the scheduling part of this will be fine. Unless, like, MLS, yeah, if they decide to go to, like, a 38-game schedule or something crazy like that. But whatever. I mean, we also don't have an Open Cup format um, guaranteed. Like, there's rumors that the USL League One teams are going to enter in as early as the first round. We don't know what MLS players will be allowed. Like, there's rumors that the CONCACAF Champions League teams might not participate at all. Like, this this sport is crazy. But, I don't, I don't know, it gives us plenty to podcast about. It does. None of it's fun, but um, I guess it does make speculation a little more interesting. So it's not like, whoa, we just, you know, the same thing that happened last year is going to happen this year. It's like, ah, I don't know. Giant roll of the dice, CONCACAF fun stuff. It's like, you're like an NFL podcast. Oh, we don't know who's going to play in the game in Spain in 2025. This is like, we don't know the structure of the playoffs 10 days before the season starts. Yeah. Again. Yeah. But I mean, it's also like Again. Copa Teos, like, because of like just like the nature of like how few matches it is that like it doesn't really matter anyway like austin played like their one good week of soccer last year and happened to play against two underband uh, uh teams who weren't playing everybody and won copa Tejas. not to discount copa Tejas, but that's what happened i we wanted how we needed to win it okay who are you to deny us trophies um Speaking of of trophies, I I do have a serious, semi-serious question that we do need to press the front office on. We got an FC to our schedule this week. Are we doing like a champion banner unveiling? Is is there a spot that is large enough at the pitch to actually put a championship banner? They should put it almost like, you know how you have the somewhat see-through, somewhat opaque netting that you can make behind the goal that uh, yes. The the goal that is on the side where the road is, I just make the whole net a giant reminder of winning a trophy. 
I don't know. I kind of like the like fun little high school football feel of it. So like, let's just get like a shittily made banner and hang it over the railing. Then the uh, rent a cop can go ahead and yell at us so, about it. So we're just going to be New York City FC. No, it'll be bigger. Okay. Uh, see, I think we should go the other way and go like the butcher paper championship one, and then like the players have to run through it. So we're really like embracing Ooh. the high school angle. Ooh, that's or, good. Or, or, or somebody running out with a flag in front of the team as they take the field that says champions on it. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, no, but it's got to be somebody like somebody really out of shape, so the team overtakes them in like ten seconds, <laughs> even though they have like a twenty yard lead. <laughs> even though they walk instead of run on the field. Yes. <laughs> Um, I guess I could do that, couldn't I? Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what Phillips' job is needs to be. Is, uh, I don't see, think he can see, I think, flag. See, I think the move is to make Roto do it. Mm. I do like that idea. That's stolen Roto. That's stolen Valor, Valor for Roto, though. I don't it know. is. He... Anyway, back to the topic at hand. <laughs> um, Charles, are we going to win Copa Tejas, yes or no? Uh, yes. Brad? No. Uh, we're coming in last. Seth? Uh, we're coming in last. I think we're going to win again. We'll find a way. Although the uh, new striker for Frisco does scare me a little bit. Yeah, well, hopefully by August we will have a better striker than him. Who that will be? I don't know. I'm, I'm not worried about the striker part. I mean, I am, but like him running at our defense is gonna scare the. Wait, wait, are you telling me that Julio Cascante can uh, not stop a uh, striker? I'm telling you that if a striker has even a marginal amount of running speed, and Julio Cascante is still standing <laughs> at the fucking center line when they pass the ball past our entire team, it's not going to end up good. I'm sorry. Did we jump ahead to the schedule to the biggest suffering? No, but. <laughs> That's it's an ongoing theme, right? It's a motif here. Um, and I mean the schedule, like we have a, a little outline. We don't have to follow it, but um, if you want to, we kind of talked about the midseason transfer stuff a little bit. Like, are we thinking something's actually going to happen, or is it going to be maybe shorn up a few places, like Dessler looks like? Um, are we going to get a big like pop or any sort of? exciting player or is it just going to be kind of like let's fix some parts because the entire team is in a lot of trouble Brad, I, I, I think we're actually gonna get i mean seeing like a player like Dessler that's supposed to be coming in like if there are three or four players that can come in of that caliber and maybe one or two players that go out that would be a remarkably successful window then again i'm like okay are we setting the bar too high at this point and I mean, I think at an absolute minimum, like our fan base, especially if we're going to have trouble scoring the start of the season, is going to expect a DP9 in that window. I mean, expect in reality kind of different things, especially yes. after last year. Yeah, I've said from the beginning going back to last year, last I think last August or September, I was, I was having a conversation. It was during the the rain delay for the LA game. I remember vividly sitting up there in the bar talking with some folks and having a conversation and said, I'm more interested to see this roster this coming August than I am right now. As for like, I mean, meaning for the winter window. Um, I think, I think there's probably 
two to three moves to be made in the in the summer, whatever those are. I would assume most of them are going to be incoming moves based on the roster spots that we have available. Um, if there's a chance that you can p- potentially ship out Rigoni early, then I'd imagine that's on the table. Um, but you also have the option of writing out his contract this year and getting out for free at the end of the year here. Um, I, I just I feel what we see come August is going to be a much clearer vision of what Roto wants to put on the field. And as we've been saying, it's going to require patience from a fan base that isn't overly patient <laughs> to some degree. <laughs> so how see. dare you? How fucking dare you, Brad? <laughs> but fair, I've been told like a thousand times whenever I'm like, well, Roto said it'll take three to four windows. People are like, he's never said that. It's like, yes, he fucking did. It was a huge process. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he also said that Josh Wolf is a great coach and one of the reasons why he came here. Like, let's not take everything he says as truthful gospel. Look, to be fair, I do have a little bit of confidence in him just because he had the very, very smart idea of blaming everything on the guy before him. So he at least from like a PR standpoint knows what the fuck he's doing, which is a nice change of pace. Yeah, I mean, I'm still very much Roto going team Popovich here and you know, just naming himself the coach. That would make me happy, and let's do that for the next 20 years, and I'll, we'll probably be fine. I mean, if he can teach Wolf how to do a coaching, that would be fine, too. Mm, or just hire, so or, or just hire somebody else. <laughs> yeah, fine. Like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> if it's, you know, Roto, or he actually teaches Wolf how to coach, or... We hire somebody new. I don't really give a shit. I just care about the results on the field. Has anyone ever seen a picture of Roto looking happy at any point, by the way? He looks just pissed off all the time. I, I mean, I drank with him in Columbus in October, and he was pretty darn happy when Efsito won that title. Okay, He had a big-ass smile on his face. It was great. But I'm having to take your word for it. There's still no picture. Uh, let me look through my phone. There might actually be some pictures, but we were also in a spot where we probably should not have been taking pictures, so it's all good. I mean, I can deep fake it for you. <laughs> we'll we'll try to get a a big like Taylor Swift lipstick smile on him. How about that? Since it's Super Bowl Sunday, or was yeah, that just I, I, on a complete aside? I was I was at the Blackhawks game on Friday night, and Ooh. they were. Full theme promotion. Oh, you, you you previewed it there. They had a uh, like it was a full house in there. They showed Taylor and Travis on TV on the big screen, and I'd say ten thousand people booed. Nice. I was like, wow, we really leaned to the right at Blackhawks games. Probably the only conservative spot where people gather in Chicagoland. Oh, well, I'm sure that many people there, but I boo Travis because he plays for the Chiefs, and for no other reason than he plays for the Chiefs. <laughs> Sorry, but I hate the Chiefs and have for thirty years. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. And I guess like I will cheer as as a Bearcat fan. I will cheer for Travis. Um, and I'm indifferent on the Taylor side of this. I would just and I am legally required to hate them. I would just like to see a commercial break during an NFL game that doesn't include Travis Kelsey or Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I'm okay with that. That's it. I'm very I'm very much looking forward to the. Paramount Plus commercial that I've already seen, but I will be happily watching again tonight. Do I want to know? Oh, it's two yes. minutes of amazing with two attack of Aloha throwing Hey Arnold. Um, okay. 
Arnaldi goes and backs out of throwing him. Sorry. Brad, you're wrong. He's not the one who throws Hey Arnold. Yeah, it's not throwing. They make fun of Tua for having a noodle arm. Yeah. And then who threw him? Sir Patrick Stewart. Thank you. Dressed as a 1930s football player. Oh, that's way better. Oh, he looks at his wrist for a play. He looks for a wrist for a play call that says throw the child. <laughs> All right. Well, we got to item five before we went completely off the rails today. That's better. Than <laughs> I mean, here's the, here's the thing. Here's the, that's not even like the craziest thing that happens in the commercial, but you'll, yeah. you'll, you have to watch it to really understand. I was going to say, like, I, I want to see it first. Yeah. I'm not one of those people who like looks up commercials ahead of time. I think that's Which, super this, fucking weird. This whole reason. No, you, commercial... no you should do it for this. Commercials during Super Bowl are my entire reason why I do not do Super Bowl parties anymore. Because too many people, you're you're trained to talk during commercial breaks. And this is the one time of the year you shut the hell up during a commercial break. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I don't really care about Usher. Like, I'm glad they're putting somebody who seems like a good showman in the halftime show, but... I don't think I've ever cared about a halftime show. Maybe the one the Who did. Uh, I was at the halftime, halftime show. Half- I was at the halftime show with Left Shark and uh, uh, Katy Not Perry. Not the name, just the halftime tiger. show. Katy Perry riding a tiger. I was at that halftime show. I was grabbing a shot at halftime, looked up, and all of a sudden I'm like, why is she on a tiger across the stadium? And it was pretty ridiculous. Okay. Um, you, got the, you got the Snoop Dogg halftime video. I did get the Snoop Dogg halftime show, but I was sitting in the end zone and could only see like 20% of it. So, because the Super Bowl is one of those events that is actually, it gets even considering how expensive the Super Bowl is, it's way better watching it at home or at a small Super Bowl party than it is actually in the stadium. Because the yeah. atmosphere inside the stadium is absolutely sterile because it's mostly corporate execs and people that are there to be seen. Well, I guess I was also there at an L.A. Super Bowl, which is just like the worst combo of things possible. Plenty of Qatari princes. I mean, hey, you could be – I mean, I, I don't know if you guys saw the picture of the son of the leader of Hamas in the VIP section at the Asian Cup semifinals on Wednesday. No, I'm zero percent surprised by it. <laughs> like, I mean, you never know who could show up at these events. All right, I'll try to get us back on track again. <laughs> uh, top scorer for this year, Seth. You can go first. I think we're all going to pick possibly the same person, and we'll say all comps just to make it easy, but. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, if Drewsy isn't the leading scorer on this team, I will be very surprised, and it, that's probably a bad sign if he's not. Yeah, Brad, Diego, new Diego, new Diego, uh, Charles. I'm sorry. How would old Diego be the leading scorer on the team? I'm, I'm confused. He gets how we traded back. That. He gets traded back and scores um, like every game after the summer window. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Anyway, um, it's, it's MLS. Ryusi, don't ask though. questions. <laughs> I mean, it's it's Drusi, and I don't know how to make an argument for anybody else. If unless like Drusi like blows out his knee week one, God forbid. 
well, now you put that into the universe, but uh, yeah, we were all thinking it. Like, uh, no, I mean, I guess it's more more blows out grind the knee if we're being Austin FC. Yeah, I thought about asking a question about how many groin demons we were going to suffer this year, and then I realized it's kind of hard to judge and uh, if it's really worth bringing out. But I guess let's kind of reverse this. If it's not Drew UC and nothing terrible happened to Drew UC, who would it be and why? So I guess uh, Rigoni hits a high yeah, I think I would go Rigoni because I think he'd be the player who would be most likely to get the most of minutes as an attacker in that mm-hmm. setup. Um, besides that, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I guess like Rubio is probably the next best guess just because he's probably in the same vein, but I don't know who else I'd pick there. Unless we're going full-time three at the back, Jal- Gallagher as a, a wing back. In which oh, case I, think I, would pick him. I, I think we're definitely going with the, uh, the very high wings and three at the back. I don't know. We'll see in the, uh, the Coachella game that'll tell us absolutely nothing. I mean, but based on the way the roster they, – they had the roster set up the other day with at least the lineup, that didn't read as a three-in-the-back lineup. Again, with preseason is not indicative of anything that will happen in the season. <laughs> Fair, but you're probably at this point working on at least what formation you're going to play. Are I'm not you? taking it as an indicative of we're going to win. Like, I, I don't sit here and say preseason results matter, but – how you play, what you set up as, that needs to matter a little. Well, I think they're rotating a little bit to see which players they want to keep on the senior roster. So I think what you're going to do is look at what you did last year and kind of say, well, can this guy fit in this thing if we have to revert back to it? Yeah, I mean, but I'm just looking from the... Granted, today's roster could be totally different as far as the lineups go. But the roster midweek was essentially last year's starting lineup. And I expect it to be really close to opening day starting lineup. I mean, Josh effectively said that. Yeah. So if that's the case, that's not a three at the back lineup. But it's I'm, also, I think it gives you the flexibility to do that. And I mean, heck, I'm kind of pleasantly surprised that it actually is a little different than last year. Because if Danny is playing further up and Ring is playing as a six, like, I mean, we've been begging for that for yeah. like three years now. For sure. For sure, but that's still four across the back line. Yes, it is. That's that's the basic point I'm making here. Like, I'm happy that he's making the switch apparently to Danny further up because, like you just mentioned, we've all been begging for that. Um, and Ring is a natural born killer at the six, so give me that. Yes. Um, and honestly, with Valencia on the bench, you have a pretty good sub direct swap for Ring there defensively, especially. So, yeah, he's not as good progressing the ball as Ring is, but Valencia's pretty damn good at kill, or snuffing out attacks. So I I don't necessarily subscribe to we're going to three at the back playing wing backs. I think with the roster we have, we're going to go closer to what we saw in 22 with the way that we're See, setting up. Yeah, that's what I think too, because I don't – I mean, who's our fourth center back then? Is it still Ring? Because that doesn't seem like the trialist is, is doing that well in preseason. Um, and so it just seems like <laughs> – yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like who's our who's our fourth center back if we're playing three at the back? Otherwise, we're just going to run into the same problems last year if we sustain any injuries. 
Um, yeah. I mean, I, there's been a lot of talk in the offseason about trying to provide more creativity in the Austin lineup so that Drew is not having to be creative and the goal scorer. And I think that moving Danny up is probably the only in-house attempt at a solution there, um, assuming that he, he can do it. Because we saw it a little bit last year until the end of the season when he was benched for reasons unknown. Um, but I'm hoping that with him getting more freedom to push forward that it can give us the creativity we've been lacking in midfield. Those all sound nice. I, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it sounds nice. And then, like, you have ring playing at the six, hitting the long passes the way that that position is designed to in most systems like this. Um, it's just a question of whether or not the, the one guy who's picking the lineups is actually wanting to I think Alex also cut his hair, if I'm not mistaken. So he's back to just ready to crush people, which I'm very happy about. Yeah, no, he's still the must. What was that, Charles? Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, he's back to looking like a Bond villain when I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) The more Bond villains, the better. Yeah, no, he looks like he should just be wearing like a dark, uh, like a dark mock turtleneck, like sitting behind like a big desk. Like that is the way he looks out. Yeah, pissed off, angry, defensive first. Alex Ring is something I'm excited to have back. I mean, that's my big problem with a four, though, is like we gave up a lot of goals and a lot of bad goals, and a lot of it was playing out of a four and not being defensively solid. So if we're going to still push those wingbacks high and have Julio standing at the center line, is anything going to change? I know like Roto and Wolf both said, oh, we need to improve on defense but are we actually going to do that or just talk about it i mean but having out i think having it oh sorry go ahead let's start off. i mean here's the thing like so austin fc has given up 56 goals 49 goals and 55 goals in their three seasons of existence at some point we just have to accept that the players that we have which largely haven't that haven't dramatically changed and the coach who also hasn't changed just aren't good defensively and aren't capable of having a good defense and so we just kind of are what we are. And so the the only option of like winning games is doing what happened in 2022, which is just outscoring teams. Um, push back a little bit. Like we haven't had a healthy season of Leo Meissonen. And like if we get him into a point where it's with Julio or with Hedges and like they can actually establish a consistent rapport, they could, they could and maybe even should be better than any defensive setup we've had in the past. Yeah, and I would argue putting ring back in front of them is only going to strengthen that defensive <laughs> ability. I'm sorry, but like as much as I love Danny, give me Alex back there in front of that line. Absolutely. As the, as the line of defense before he gets there. No, I totally agree with that. It's just that based on the based on what we've seen, I just don't know that like this team is capable of being anything more than a like bottom third defense. Yeah, yeah we're I still agree. we still lack speed. I mean, that's the biggest thing defensively for me is we if somebody is able to get us on a counter, uh, I don't see where we have a whole lot of makeup speed. Right. You can play like a super high line and have fast defenders, or you can not have fast defenders and play a little deeper, but we're trying to play with a bunch of slow guys standing at the center line. Yeah. Yeah, because Josh at one point said something about he had a comment in a press conference about like giving up bad goals and like putting like the keeper in bad spots. And I was just sitting there like thinking through like watching all of last season's goals, and how many times, especially Julio, like, cause I can think about a couple times in the St. Louis match where that happened, where 
he just lets the, the attacker just come inside on a stronger foot inside the 18 yard box. And like, it just, there's just so many bad defensive principles. I just don't know how like that's going to change without changing the players. The other thing we do that drives me fucking insane is we are a team that loves to like ping the ball in on a cross and we'll just stand there and let other teams cross the ball in with absolutely no defensive effort to get in their way, make them change the angle of the cross or just let them stand out there and hit balls in the box left and right. And I don't even know if that's like a personnel thing or it seems like a coaching thing. So we have to fix it at some level, right? No, it's it's absolutely a coaching thing. One of the things you'll notice about watching Austin is how little pressure Austin puts on the opposing team, mm-hmm. whether we have the ball or don't have the ball. Like when we don't have the ball, we play very passively through midfield. Um, you know, even on the wings, like there's no like impetus to try to like close those guys down or stop them. And then when we have the ball, it's the same, you know, slow, methodical, not running in behind, not playing passes behind, not countering. And you just can't be a good team if your opponents are comfortable playing against you the whole time. And at some point, like that is coaching and it's coaching personality. And it's something that if this team is going to be better, it's just going to have to change. Well, we talk a lot about too, about we kind of play this like quote unquote pep style, which annoys the shit out of me that people refer to it that way. But um, we'll call it that for now for simplicity. Like we don't seem to know how to play it. (laughs) You can't just let people stand on the ball and try to go like semi high press and anything along those lines. Like, it, I mean, can you play it in this league? Honestly, I don't think so. Period. But even if you could, we're not doing it right now. And honestly, if you're gonna go up to Vancouver and watch you try to play that on whatever crappy synthetic turf surface they have. Good luck. Yeah, like if you watch Man City, who literally are playing four center backs across the back, and they're like back healing passes to each other under like three people of pressure, we don't have the players that can do that. I don't think any MLS team does. I mean, heck, some days they don't have the players that can exactly, yeah, and they have infinity trillion dollars and a midfield and um, forwards that can put in goals from anywhere. It's, yes, it's and a guy named. Nice Rodri shielding their center backs. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to shift gears a little bit. We'll go positive again. We keep getting drifting or drifted into negative land. Uh, Brad, what is the biggest thing you're looking forward to for this year? Going back on the road for some trips. I didn't make a single road trip last year. Hmm. Uh, it's more of a personal thing than I think for a, a team thing, honestly. Because I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna struggle as a team. Like we, we pretty much established that. But uh, I'm trying to make at least one or two road trips out of state this year, wherever that might be. That'd be good, Seth. Um, at this point, like I think I'm just like after. I mean, it's been a long off season. Like we haven't like today is the first day that we have a stream of a match that doesn't even really matter in what almost four months. And so many of us effectively, yeah, we were still watching still podcasting. We were still involved with it, but like have like the match in 13 days against Minnesota will be the first meaningful match that this team has played. What since the, like, July. But no, like, I mean, we were, we were fifth in the West. Yeah, I would say the galaxy game. That yeah, I'd say I'd say I'd say the Galaxy game. I think Brad, that's right. It is this team hasn't played, and 
meaningful match in what five months? Like that's kind of crazy considering how long this season is. So I'm looking forward to that and seeing where it goes. And I mean, it's a weird baseline, but we've gotten six points in our first three matches in the first three seasons. And we'll see if we can come close to that in season four. Yeah, I think I'm going to piggyback off that last point. I think we'll get a win and a decent one in the first game, two, three. It'll kind of inspire hope a little bit again. Um, And hopefully that'll lead to better things. Charles, how about you? Uh, yeah, I the on the field I'm I'm not really looking forward to. It. I think it's going to be an ugly year, uh, but I'm excited to be back in Q2 with everybody and you know down in the south end and singing and dancing and and seeing all the people that you know get to see all the time. I'm looking forward to a couple of really fun road matches. I think Nashville's going to be really fun. It seems like a lot of people are going there. Uh, Toronto's going to. I already got tickets for. I'm excited about that. Um, and just kind of, you know, having, having new things to talk about and having like new, new conversations and, um, at some point at the beginning of the season, having hope, which we, which, which may go away quickly, but we will have at some point. I was going to say, that's sort of my point. Like a little bit of hope would be nice. And we do have a three team combo where we have FC toe, although you do have to go to Lawrence, Kansas for it. Um, we're playing at SKC and U.S. men's national team are playing at Arrowhead in like three or four days? In, in four days. So we're doing, it's um, the Casey Current, which are opening up the first ever women's um, specific stadium in the world, play Friday. In uh, Missouri. Was that? In, in, in Missouri. In, in Missouri, and um, within walking distance of a light rail and, and a casino, um, but like in a reasonable spot. Yes. Um, and then we've got, yeah, so Saturday, Saturday in back in Kansas. And then Sunday, we're going to do the Royals game at one and then drive straight up from the Royals game out west to Lawrence um, to lovely Rock Chalk Park. And um, then then Monday, U.S. So five games, four days. You guys should all join. Yeah. Make sure you stop at the gas station on the border. As Norm Stewart directed us to never spend uh, money in the Kansas economy. What's well, going to be hard to do if you're going to the actual Austin game, though? Well, well just pregame in the parking lot. Buy your stuff at the uh, gas station in Missouri. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I am looking forward. That's the other thing. It's not Austin FC related, but I am looking forward to Copa America this year. Like, I think that's going to be a blast. I'm going to try to. I, I love that Q2 is getting a couple of games. Um, going to try to hit the U.S. game up in Arlington to start the season or to start Copa America and then. If you if you look at the scheduling, Messi's playing in either Arlington or Houston in around uh, in the first knockout round. As long as he gets out, of, as long as Argentina gets out of group, just so, like he played in Hong Kong. Yes, I mean so, I, I got I mean I got to see. I don't know if any of you guys were at the U.S. Argentina game in Houston in 2016, but uh, that is one of the most thorough ever beatdowns I've seen, and it was peak Messi. I mean, Messi hit a free kick over Brad Guzan that I uh, was like, "Why are we even on the field with these guys?" But there were mm-hmm. seventy thousand. Who hasn't who hasn't done that to Brad Guzan? <laughs> um, but um, it was. I mean, there were like seventy thousand people at NRG, and it was it was a great. Like, it's the largest pro US crowd I have ever seen for USMNT, or that I've ever personally been a part of. I should say. Yeah, like US won't be in either one of those matches because of the way the yeah. yeah. But I'm trying. I, I when tickets go on sale, 
I'm hoping that the pre-sale also includes knockout rounds. But if it does, I'll probably grab a ticket to both Arlington and Houston and just wait, um, see where they end up playing. But I would I would love to – I think it's a better chance to see Messi at a reasonable price than trying to see him anywhere in MLS this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to remember how much I paid because I was in AO in 2016. But I want to say I paid in like the $70, $80 range for lower deck seats. It was not – I mean, I bought them on like two days' notice after we won the quarterfinal. But it was it was not terrible. Getting back, getting back to Central Texas at 3 a.m. after the game was terrible because it was a Tuesday night, but that's a, that's a whole other story. Yeah, I believe the game down in Houston would be on July 4th, actually. Oh, nice. Speaking of your uh, troubles getting back, uh, biggest expected suffering for this year? You can pick, you know, an event or an ongoing thing. Charles, I'll let you go first. Uh. I think the biggest suffering is on the 24th, we're going to be really excited. We're going to be in the stadium. The crowd's going to be rocking and we're cheering. Everybody's going to be really happy to be back. And Austin's going to do the same thing they always do against Minnesota and play a high line. And Jose and Julio Cascante is going to get beat at the midline for an easy goal. And we're all just going to be like, Oh, we're here again. Yeah. That's, that's a good pick. (laughs) Seth, how about you? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be more optimistic. We beat Minnesota twice last year. I'm gonna say we start off um, a little more optimistic. Um, but then the third batch of the season, St. Louis City is gonna come in and they're gonna play their um, gigging, pressing Red Bull high energy style of soccer and just beat us down to a pulp. And I'm just gonna be like, we learn nothing. We still can't play teams that play that high energy styles, energy drink soccer. And it's just like, Josh Wolf, you're at year four. How have you not figured this out? Yeah, I think I'm going to piggyback on that and just sort of take the general theme that we're going to get five, 10, 15 games into this season and realize it's all the same shit. We've all seen it before. Um, And we learned nothing and we haven't improved. But uh, Brad? Saturday, May 25th. We play at San Jose. Just gonna leave it there. Okay, good choice. Nothing good happens for us in San Jose or against San Jose. Period. Hey, you know what? On April sixth, we play San Jose at home. If we win that match, I think you just have an instant like parades down streets, like take over (laughs) victory parade throughout the domain. Like I'm, I'm all down for it. You guys throw any smoke in front of the Apple store that'll go on new Apple TV ads. <laughs> I it's eventually we'll, we'll we have to win just by law of numbers against those guys, but yeah, that's not how that works. Yeah, you would. Think. Um, you guys think we're going to get absolutely pumped in the first five ten games of the season by anyone? Oh, we have to go to St. Louis in April. Yeah, yeah it's on uh, Easter Sunday, I think. No, it's not Easter Sunday. It's two weeks after Easter. Um, but okay. I will be there because um, I can do that as a day trip because the nice – when you schedule games at 3.30 in the afternoon, it makes it pretty easy to go back and forth in the same day. Yeah. So, I also um, I would also say the other one where we could get really punked, we have to go to Orlando. They look yeah. really good. Yeah. I was, I was about to say, like, <laughs> or, 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 like, Eastern road matches have never been kind for Austin and early in the season and against, like, that team, like, that can get yeah. That's absolutely wrong. Like we haven't we haven't lost an Eastern road match in three seasons. That's like, I actually really not, yeah, we yeah, have we, lost we dominated on the road in the East, man. 
Yeah, we've been amazing on the road in the East. We drew all three matches on the road last season. We won all four matches in 2022, and we lost 1-0 at Nashville in 2021. Remember, Nashville was in the West in 2022 when we got our ass kicked there. Oh, that, okay. Yeah, no, I was definitely, I confused Nashville's conference and generally viewed our, our terrible road record and forgot that the East is like the one shining spot. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, there was a, yeah. yeah, no, so, so I actually, I, like, I'm not as concerned about that. A one that I will red flag at home is Philly at home on March 16th. I could see mm-hmm. us losing that match by like three or four goals. I mean, there's a chance that a three-week, a four-week stretch of having to play St. Louis, Philly, Orlando, and FC Dallas could put Josh way, way more on the hot seat than he already is. I just don't think it's possible without a scandal to have him fired this season. Yeah, let's go ahead and open this up because I wanted to touch on it a little bit. Results obviously don't matter about the Josh Wolf project. So what's it going to take? for something to happen where we look at a coaching change. Um, Charles, what do you think? I think it would require an off the field scandal for Josh to not be coach at the end of the season. I expected hate to double right down on Charles there, but yes, he's right. Like, uh, I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what else need, would need to happen standings or results wise, unless we're just like, in contention for being like one of the worst teams of all time or something like that. Like I think it would take, it it would have to be really, really bad for him not to be coach. So first 10 games are pretty brutal this year. When you look at the schedule, Minnesota opening week doable, but then it's at Seattle home against St. Louis, Philly at Orlando home against Dallas. Then the quakes at St. Louis at Houston home against galaxy. There might only be two wins in that stretch for the first yeah. 10 games of the season. We could easily like, come out of there with under 10 points. Easily. That's enough where ticket sales are going to drop. Sellout streak drops. And I think open fan revolt begins to happen a lot louder than it was last year. If that happens, then yes, there could be enough pressure to get them out of here by May, June, something of that nature. But it's going to take some kind of Shit, 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 shit show to a start, which would be less than 10 points in those 10 games. Do you think it's more likely to happen when the European season ends and more coaching candidates become available? Sure. In theory? I could see, I could see that happening in May or June, or even waiting till League's Cup starts. I mean, it would it would have to, right? Like, anytime there's more options, it's more likely that we're going to shift, right? Yeah. I, I guess my question was more like, do you think Rhoda would wait intentionally for that as opposed to like trying to bring somebody in at the end of their season? I don't know because I don't have a read on Roto. Um I've been increasingly thinking about the theory of him holding Wolf up as a sacrificial lamb. So when all of this shit goes sideways, it's not really his fault. And he's like, sorry, I thought he was a good coach. Bye. Now I got this guy I really like. You wouldn't believe these names. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Like I, we're in this weird oh. spot where like these sideways theories are almost more appealing than reality. Look, Jurgen Klopp said he did not want to coach in England again. Okay, <laughs> that's almost Austin's as- about as far from England as you can get. I, I would rather have Mourinho. 
Oh my god. Look, I, I don't like Josh Wolf as like a manager, but as a person he's fine. Um no to Jose Mourinho. Period. End of story. Look, he wins everywhere and he knows how to organize a defense. And those are two things that Austin has never done. I'm sorry, but but winning a third tier European Cup at Rome doesn't count. I mean, he got run out of Rome for his horrendous, horrendous style of play. <sighs> All right, well, we're in a dark place. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we're I mean, we're sitting and bragging of. I mean, we we spent ten minutes talking about which Copa Tejas matches are gonna are gonna count, and that's the only thing that any of us think Austin has any chance of winning this year. Well, and, and possibly a ne- and possibly a next pro. Uh, title. And you know what? I- I'm going to throw out here. I think it is more likely that Brett Utley will be the next Austin FC first team coach than anyone else that we've mentioned. Oh, I would like that, actually. I'm not opposed to that. If we're going to do this build from the bottom stuff, I think that's a good choice. But um, let's wait till Wolf gets ceremoniously let go at the end of his contract in 2025 before we start replacing him. I, yeah. I think Utley's going to end up having to take a more senior head coaching job somewhere else, but he's somebody that should be on Austin's list at all times for future coaching. Like, he'll probably end up with, like, another MLS gig or a USL gig first, but, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'm, just, I'm just fully of the opinion that the first 10 games this year could get real squarely real fast, and it's going to get loud, and ultimately, when – Uncle Tony starts seeing dollars out of his pocket because he's not selling out the stadium anymore. It's gonna be a problem. Okay, not to not to go like back into conspiracy theories too much, but like, do you think that the sellout streak is actually intact? No, no, no. Okay. Of course not. Okay. No, but when you stop putting, when the regulars stop coming, right? When you stop putting even fifteen, sixteen thousand in the stadium on a nightly basis, which we're wait, still doing, we're wait, still wait, doing. Wait. When, when the corners of the South End yeah. are very visible 30 minutes into a match, they're screwed. Yeah. So, and that's going to largely be due to winning. So. Uh, I can it, tell you as the, as somebody who has the back end access to our road ticket sales, like, that's okay, but it's way down from where it's been in the past. If if we start winning, that will go, that will start flying through the roof. Yeah. But until then, you gotta provide people some hope. You don't think uh, twenty dollars jellyfish is hope? <laughs> all right, I want to kind of like shift out here on a positive note, and I'm trying to get us all out of here before the uh, Austin game kicks off. Uh, we'll start with Seth. What's the biggest change you want for both yourself as an Austin FC fan and uh, the team? Um, the biggest change I want for the team is to have a back line that we can trust. Um, <laughs> but um, and it's at, at a certain point, it's like I just I want this team to be worthwhile of a time investment. And if it is not worthwhile of time investment, I need to reevaluate my life priorities and look at it. It's like, I like, it's like at a certain point, are we rooting for this team because we like the community of people around this team or because this team is actually worthy of our support? Tough call, Charles. 
Uh, I think the biggest change for me is to try to do more with uh, other fans and the camaraderie of it outside of just like supporters group Slack and then and, and attend more road games, which is a big goal of mine this year. Um, I think the team is just kind of trying to get back to uh, 2022 and just having like positive vibes around the team and what's going on and hopefully have some kind of organization and fun that is uh, something that all of us can root for. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, Brad? Yeah, I think the biggest change personally for the season I want to try to make is um, go into games and not being as pissed off (laughs) when we don't play too great. Um, Usually I don't get overly mad, but I'll have a few games here and there where I I just walk out unbelievably angry. Um, And I need, I need to, it doesn't affect me the next day or anything, but I want to let it go faster Um, because I think that gets back to Seth's point about being worthy of time investment money. Um, And maybe being a little chiller, with some people who have no um, capability of fixing things in the front office uh, versus those who do and refuse to listen. Um, As far as the team, I I would love to, way on the record on this, I'd I'd love to see a change at the head coaching position. I don't think it's going to happen necessarily fast unless we go sideways, which I'm not rooting for because I don't want to see us lose. no, and by so, the way, anybody who's rooting for us to lose a bunch of games so Wolf gets fired, like, yeah, I don't have any time for that. Yeah, I'm not here for this. I, I would much rather have to come back and eat my words about Josh Wolf as a head coach. Yes, and, that would be incredibly awesome. Yeah, I, w- I want to go to the games and I want to watch us win and I want to have fun watching us win. Like, that's great. Um, so, uh, but if we're talking about on the field besides the coach, I just hope that we can find consistency at the striker position for the first time. Whatever that looks like. If it's just a combined 16, 17 goals between Diego and Jossie, that's fine. Just give me something I can tangibly hold on to from a number nine. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, I'm going to kind of go on a similar vein. Like, I just want things to be fun more. Um even when we were winning games a little bit last year, there was sort of this pall of like, oh, I don't, I don't think we're going to keep doing this very much, but um, kind of increasing hope and you know, like, let's just to quote Roy Kent, let's make it a little bit of fucking fun because that's what it's supposed to be. Um, and yeah, like you said, like if Wolf's gone or here or we're winning games, like whatever. We had fun watching Josh Wolf teams win games. It's possible. Like, let's just do that. Um, I think I would like to see a more coherent backline strategy. Um, either ditch Julio because he can't run, or I'm not sure Hedges can either, but either ditch Julio or adapt because we give up a lot of stupid goals. And I, there are a few things that hit you harder as a soccer fan than like a terrible goal to give up. Um, personally, I would spend less money on concessions, especially given kind of the, um, way the front office isn't really responding to fans in any way. Prices have gone up a huge amount. Um, I used to have a great spot at Oscar Blues before games, and now that's 
gone, presumably because we're doing this whole Verde Square thing. So I don't know. Um, hit him where it hurts. Yeah, I've pretty much sworn off concessions. Like I'll have the occasional beer at the stadium, but I mean, there it used to be I'd go in every few games, I'd buy food or something. I don't think I bought food a single time last year. I think the only times we did were games that were on delays. <laughs> yeah, and I, I might have bought food. I might have bought a beer once every three or four games, where it used to be a drink a game easily. So my my concessions bill is going way way down, and that's largely in response to the ticket prices going way way up. Yeah, Seth, do you know how much that actually like impacts? Hey, we're mad about stuff to the front office. I mean, if the, if that spreadsheet we saw was true, that they're making $8 million a year from concessions. And if that number goes down to $7 million a year, and that doesn't necessarily in, impact the player budget because it's not like you're selling concessions in GAM, but it, you get to a world of, does that impact what the front office can do for so many other things? Absolutely, it does. Yeah, so it's the way it worked when I was in sports, and it could have changed from now because it was a long time ago. But you sold tickets to cover your baseline cost. Yep. And then merchant concessions were your profit makers. Mm-hmm. Um, so you hit them in concessions, you're hitting them where they're actually making money. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's where, yeah, the investment's going to go. Uh, they take their investment there and put it into usually other things around the stadium. Could be players as well because you do have to make money to go buy players. But if you actually want to hurt them, that's where you hurt them is don't buy the merch. Don't buy concessions. Uh, Well, the merch in this league is so centralized running through Adidas and everything. They don't make as much on merch as they do concessions as like, that is the money that is going to uncle Tony's pocket to pay for a bunch of the stuff here. I mean, I feel like the profit margin on those like t-shirts of the month has got to be pretty high though. Well, they are, but then you have to pay, you have to pay, whoever's licensing them you have to pay fanatics and everything but sure like and that's the dirty secret by the way never buy anything at the store that you can buy on fanatics you should always get it 30 40 percent off on fanatics or cheaper even at full price last year i bought a shirt there was a shirt at the store that they had at full price that was five bucks listed at five bucks more in the store than it was at fanatics and then fanatics also had the same shirt for 20 or 30 percent off they wouldn't price match it even down to the regular SRP that Fanatics had it at. So I was like, cool, you guys just lost a sale here in the store from a season ticket member because I can literally order it online and get it two days from now and save myself 15 bucks. You mean your 10% discount doesn't make up the difference? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's 10% no. discount that doesn't apply to anything? Yeah, I, I the only and the only merch I think I bought last year was the bomber jacket they had that they had clearance. It was on the clearance rack one night at the stadium for 50 bucks. And it used to be 120 or something. All right, this is actually a deal that's worth buying. I guess we'll kind of wrap up with this. We think we know what the new kit looks like. Um, At least uh, a decent amount. Charles, you guys did a a fantastic article at the false nine about it. Uh, Thoughts, opinions, I'm kind of meh. I want to see the real thing before I think about it, but um, is anybody rushing out to buy like what's essentially a kind of beige-ish, beige-ish uh, baseball tee? I probably... I mean, I... Oh, go ahead, Charles. 
sorry, I uh, I love a baseball tee. Um, I always love the design. I like the retro nature. Like somebody said that it looked like something McConaughey would have worn in Days and Confused. Um, and I love that style. I love the retro style. I think it's a lot more inventive than a lot of the other normal away jerseys that Adidas has done. Um, but I'm still waiting to see what the colors look like in person because I've just, after what happened with the Sentimento kit of what we saw online versus in person, drastically changed my opinion about it. Yep. Um, I want to see what it looks like, like as an actual um, uh, jersey instead of uh, a grainy picture on EI or on FIFA. Native pixels. Yeah. So. I, I'm with you. I'm curious to see what the exact the actual Verde on it looks like, right? Because if it's more of a darker, brightish Verde, or a darker Verde, I'm good with it. If it's kind of this turquoise thing that it looks like it might be, I'm not as crazy about it. I, I love think that's color filtration. Huh? I think that's color filtration on the photos. Yeah, like, I need to see a better version of it. Um, the... Baseball style, baseball tee, 70s tee style, I actually love. Like, it's my aesthetic. Um, so that's going to have me – but this is – as I just ranted about merch and don't buy it, this is probably the one piece of thing I'll buy this year um, as long as the coloring is right. Because it's it, – you mentioned Days and Confused. It's the straight-up Benny O'Donnell look, um, which Benny O'Donnell was Cole Hauser's character in the movie. Um, and it's probably going to be the name on the back of my jersey. It's <laughs> so – Super niche references. Um, no, but, no one in Austin likes those. Huh? No, no one in Austin likes those. Well, I still have my standard one that I want to go to use eventually, but I think it needs to be in a home kit. And I hated a home kit last year so much that I got to wait another year to use the one that I've been dying to use for a, a number of kit combo. Um, so I, I like it. I, I, I'm also very curious to see how they're going to pair it with shorts because I've seen people say maybe they use the beige shorts. I'm hoping they actually match the shorts or whatever the Verde-ish color will be. I agree with that. Yeah. We don't want beige shorts. Yeah. No. On no. anything, period. Yeah, the, the beige shorts would be a huge, huge miss when that, especially because, like, to me, that green almost looks more like a Kelly green. Um, yeah. Which I think would look really good. Um, and I, But I just have this feeling they're going to be beige. Or, or whatever you have, color like... they're calling that. Yeah, I'm trying to think because you need a non-black color. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. The the beige would just be really ugly on that. Like, no. Um, Seth, any other notes on the the kit? I'll probably buy it, but it's it's good enough, and especially as the road travel guy, I feel like I need to have the road kit. I'm sorry, <laughs> secondary kit. Yes, the secondary kit. We're not going to get into the third kit debate because I don't think we actually know anything. But no, it is a whatever and i mean at some point we'll get a third violet crown kit in, in 2029 or whatever <laughs> yeah um it is what it is we'll see um anything you guys want to add before we get out of here what are you looking to see today flow i want to see players who look like they played with each other before like doesn't have to be like fancy ninety pass goals or anything, but like there's an understanding between people who are probably going to be on the roster that they can kind of sense how the other one plays. Um, I am looking to make sure that Diego Fagundes does not have any major runs and just embarrass our backline. Oh, ask for the world. 
I mean, I, I don't even know. I, I actually haven't seen if we have starting lineups yet for a match in 12 minutes because it's a preseason. But I'll be curious to see. Like, are we actually running out a, a similar lineup to Wednesday or not? Or we? I'm pulling it up right now, and I'll tell you in two seconds here. Yeah, I do not see. I see a lot of pictures. Yeah, I do not see a lineup out anywhere. Uh, for, I, I do see. I, I do see a Galaxy Eleven, and Diego is starting there. It's uh, um, Yoshida's captaining the Galaxy. It's like a, but no, uh, no Ricky Puig uh, in the starting. We don't have a bench yet. Um, Miguel Maybe Mary, his vote of candle of himself went out. What's that? Maybe his vote of candle of himself went out. <laughs> yeah, so it's like a A B lineup for the uh, Galaxy. Also, you know, we have we've been talking Copa Tejas earlier, and I forgot to mention this. Can we have Undertaker present the Copa Tejas trophy like he did for the game down in uh, Saudi Arabia this this week? Because that was hilarious. Yes. I mean, you you realize we have a home match on three sixteen, right? Ooh. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, if if, if, if he's not by, like, you can get people in town during South by. Well, I mean, you don't even have to get um, Stone Cold in town necessarily, but like, if that if he has not been asked to do the heartbeat, everybody <laughs> involved in making that decision should should be fired. <laughs> or be forced to quit the group or whatever, because that is the most obvious invitation for a 316 match possible. I assume he gets paid a lot of money to do something on that day somewhere. And coming and hitting a drum at the Austin game is probably not going to be the thing that does for me. <laughs> I mean, we need to win more games. It'd be a bigger draw. It'd be really funny if he, it'd also be really funny if he did like a whole thing like, um, like how Willie Nelson does his like birthday celebration every year on the 4th of July, but instead it's 316 day. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I'm on board. Uh, I don't know. The whole thing about the Undertaker the other day just cracked me up because Ronaldo's sitting there like a little child giggling while Undertaker's coming out bringing this trophy through druids and fire. I was just like, this is absolutely fantastic. I love this everything. This is extra, and this is what we need. Yes. More stupidity like that in soccer, please. MLS, at least. <laughs> yes. If we're going to have a league that doesn't even have a playoff format 10 or four, 13 days before kickoff, yes, let's get stupid. Yeah, I agree. Stupider. Yes. Stupider, yes. Stupid in a fun um, way, not stupid in an infuriating way. Yeah, so to, to bring this back to the question, what I'm looking for in today's match, um, no injuries, <laughs> first and foremost. And then I just want both teams to have fun. Thank you. Maybe not too much fun for the Galaxy, but... Um, um, West survives his Super 8 that he's staying in. Yes. Yeah, no, I feel like I, I, I set him up on that one, and I was like, gosh, I should have should, – we should have taken care of him really, really better than that, like a Super 8 out in the Coachella Valley. Ooh. <laughs> could be worse. Could be worse. Yeah. But I guess uh, on that note, as always, let's hope for a great season, and uh, thanks for suffering with us. Bye. See you all in a couple of weeks. Yeah. here for Austin Jarrett Stroud. It's Diego for goodness. He has written his name into Austin folklore. They just won't go away. Oh, he hits the upright again. That's impossible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Altidore squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory.